Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is the World Cup on Caught Offside. Ronaldo! Oh, it's come on, come Ronaldo! Brazil are in front! It's Ronaldo! And Donovan has scored! Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! Aimed it for Kurtzsa! And Germany are the champions of the world. It's Mbappé! Now, here are your hosts, Andrew and JJ. Oh, yes! Caught offside from just outside of New York City and from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling, J.J. Devaney. Oh, my God. What's up, brother? Oh, Andrew, what a day. What an unbelievable day. I mean, just the... The stress of it, <laughs> the joy of it, the fun, all of the emotions that come with it. Uh, just one of the most memorable sporting experiences, I think, of a lot of soccer fans' lives in this country. We're going to take you through all elements of this one, how we watched, what we were feeling as we watched, the heroes of this one, the unsung heroes, what we liked, what we didn't like, the matchup coming up against the Netherlands. We're going to talk about everything, but just, I guess, just to start, like, how are you feeling right now? I, I feel good. Um, I, it's one of those where you've been busy all day and you got stressed in the middle of the day and then you had to come down and then you got stressed again because I had to appear. I say I had to. It's not a burden. I was on PBS NewsHour across this great nation. Um, pushes glasses to center of nose. It's the most on-brand network that you could have possibly appeared on. I don't know where you go from there. Great, great quality news, uh, and and the news told in the fashion that it should be clear, concise, crisp, a gr- all-around great news station. And they had me on, and it was it was uh, it was great. It was a buzz, and so. So I wonder I've got how many st- people were watching, and then suddenly, like you with that background, like how many people must have just been like, wait, who? 
did my channel change automatically? What what channel is this? Where am I right now? Who is this person? Have I accidentally turned Newsmax on? You know, all those thoughts. Uh, the bartender in the Irish Haven put me on the big TV and the whole bar watched me. So that is probably one of the greatest moments uh, in my life. Alan Lopez, you're right, Alan. I did crush that interview. Ah, no, seriously. It was just, it was, uh, what I'm trying to say is, I was so nervous and high for the game and then relief and then, oh no, I've got to go on TV and do a good job uh, for the podcast, for me, for my family. So then I'm, I'm ramped back up and now I'm in a position where I can have a little drink, just a little one, and uh, analyze the game with all you fine people. So my initial thought, well, I have a lot of initial thoughts. The first thing I want to say, JJ, I want to apologize to the black and blue jersey. It's iconic. I want all, give me all the black and blue jerseys. It's a thing now. It's fun. I want to wear it. I want to wear it all over the place. I want to wear it to bed. All right. I've made peace. I apologize to the black and blue jersey. I was very mean to you. And now you are a part of history in a fun way. I think it's wonderful. I have to get one now. I need to add it to my, I'm in my, my USA shirt room, JJ. It's a, a room that I rarely ever set foot in, except for the most special of occasions. You can see it's the laundry room and you've, you've <laughs> no, moved no, no. one of your it's fake bookshelves down there. I, this, this, yeah, I moved a bookshelf down there. <laughs> this has always been here. I'm not, you think I'm moving furniture for this? Can, can no, I just no, say, no. can I just say something? Um, uh, You know, Andrew's gone to such effort that I, I I need the animals in the chat just to congratulate him for basically putting laundry behind him. Tremendous effort. I stepped off the train. All right. This this is what I have. What what else am I going to do? You think I live in a palatial estate with thousands of rooms? I have this room. I have to make it. I, if I took these down right now, it would. You don't want to know what's going on back there. This is this is right. This feels right. Um. Should we talk about the game? Because I have, I well, have can a ton we, of things can I want to say Can we do this first? Yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about the game. Let's analyze the game for sure. And then let's get into our opponent, who is a mortal enemy of yours. The draw has drawn up one of, one of old Andy's biggest rivals uh, from his own personal life. Uh, echoes of the humiliation of the past must come flooding towards you when you realize we're going to play the Netherlands. But oh, yeah. l- let's just get to the joy part. Because I do think... It's important to note how people went from the joy of making the round of 16, the joy of getting our first win since June 10th to, oh, but it happened because X or Y, and it happened in spite of Triple G. Oh, well, no, no. Can we just do the joy part first? This is absolutely brilliant to get to the knockout round of a World Cup with a young side after the horrors of not qualifying before, this is good. It feels good. You know, I said when we did our USMNT uh, preview, we talked about, you know, some of the the guys that we felt good for, that we were excited for. Um, and the one that struck me the most that I had said that night was Christian Pulisic because he was on that field in Kuvo the night the US, U.S. failed to qualify for the 2018 World Cup. He was in tears. It was supposed to be an arrival of sorts kind of moment for him specifically and he was forced to wait and it just felt i don't know to me it just felt so right and appropriate that he was the one to get the goal tonight 
ultimately we can go back and forth. Oh, is, you know, we'll argue is Adams the best player on this team? Is it Reyna? Is it McKinney? You know, sometimes it's Wea. Like we, we can roll through different names, but speaking for myself, not for you, not for anyone else. It's always him. It's always been him. All right. Maybe he's not the vocal leader of this team, but on that field, he is the leader of this team. And if you look at the resume that this guy's putting together in big moments, the goals that he has scored for the for his country and for his club, by the way, Champions League semifinal goal, FA Cup final goal. He scored some big ones for his clubs as well. This guy is a big game player. It had to be him. He was the right guy to score that goal. And I can't even put into words how happy I am for him. Well, I got to be honest with you, another failing, and again, I don't want to go straight to the failings, but it didn't feel like we were going to score unless we had a man who would uh, puncture part of his abdomen by flinging himself at the ball to score that goal. Um, We are in a position where I think we have an excellent defense. We have a very good goalkeeper. We have a top quality midfield, and we have an attack that it finds very, very uh, hard and roundabout ways to score. So I think um, I think that should be factored in as well. He was the man for the moment. He put his body on the line. He ended up in hospital for it. To think sure. in a 1-0 victory over Iran, uh, we needed our star man to end up in hospital to score that goal. Yeah. Um, it, it, it felt that way. Yeah. Uh, one of the, of the many USMNT Twitter accounts that I enjoy, one of the OGs, as far as I'm concerned, at USMNT only, uh, talking about Pulisic's resume of, of big game goal scoring. He mentions here uh, goal versus Real Madrid in the Champions League semifinals, goals versus Mexico in the Nations League final and World Cup qualifying, FA Cup final versus Arsenal, goals versus Liverpool and Man City, and now a goal in a must-win World Cup match versus Iran. I mean, he is, for, for a player at such a young age, somewhat, I mean, in some circles, it'll be quietly, not on this show where we've been doing boy wonder watches since he was 17 years old, but he has put together an amazing resume for a player his age and for a player who comes under as much scrutiny as he does. If you take a step back from all that, you can see, no, 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 wait a minute. He's fulfilling the hype and then some. Yeah. And I also think that if you watch the game, you want to see him less on the ball, initially starting things and more on the end of things. That is that to me is 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 becoming very very clear. Um, I I know when he was if you if you watch the way he bursts onto the ball for the only other goal we scored in open play against Wales in the opening game where he bursts onto that ball from Sargent and then stabs it into Tim Way's path and then you look tonight he's running onto the end of the header like he's coming onto the ball in the box arriving on the ball that's what he's good at. It's actually. The dribbling stuff, the keeping the ball is good, but he is most deadly for this team when he's doing exactly what he did tonight and exactly what he did against Wales. Yeah, I mean, look, I think he's he's multidimensional, he's multifaceted, he's versatile. I, I like him on the ball too. I've always, I've said for years now, he's going to draw a penalty in a big spot. He's slippery like that if he can get the ball inside the box. Uh, we haven't seen it quite yet. You're right, right now, I guess his finishing is kind of uh, more of what you crave out of him, but I think he can... I think it's the runs, dangerous. Andrew. It's the yeah. runs. I mean, that run was pro- probably that, you know, guys who these great players just have an eye for it. Like they can sense when it's coming. That run that he makes, if you track it, it probably starts what, like 30 to 35 yards from goal. But he sees where that ball's going and he knows what Serginio Dest is going to do with it. I mean, we'll, we'll go through the goal specifically and kind of the mechanics of that. Um, but so I didn't even ask you. So the, the goal was scored. Obviously, it set off celebrations all across America. Where were you today? 
I, I'm doing what I'm doing for the big games. If I so I knew early on I'd have to be on PBS after the game, so I'm not going to a bar. I'm just not going to do it. It's what's the point? Um, so I watched the game. Um, I watched the game from my apartment. You can lock in. You can see everything. It's it's so much better. Watching a game on TV is often better than either being at the game, and it's certainly better than being at a bar. Yeah, I think sometimes it depends what you're looking for. Like if you want, like. I'm not going to say you can't lock in at a bar because I've certainly watched a lot of big games and sporting events. Depends who's in your ear. But yeah, that that's a part. Of, it's a wild card. Like if you go to a bar and you stay, you wind up next to the wrong person. Well, now you're now your experience is in some trouble. Um, but it can be great because like moments like that. I don't know it, when they scored the goal. Like, didn't you want to find someone to hug? I I need to hug someone when those things happen. I did, but uh, being on my own, my immediate concern was, okay, great, we've scored. And then to see uh, Pulisic, you know, prone on the ground in, in, in serious pain and discomfort. And then when he, when he got up and he hobbled off and you think he's not coming out for the second half. So I didn't really want to hug anyone. I wanted to find out uh, specific medical information about what was going on. Um, but if we're going to look at this game, though, Andrew, mm-hmm. We should. It, it it was another one of those games of two halves, and like my overwhelming feeling at the end was we made that really hard for ourselves. I thought Iran, uh, excuse me, Iran were dreadful. Um, I thought I thought they were really really poor, and I think the table doesn't lie. The best two teams are definitely going through. Um, I I, I thought they offered so little. And now in other ways, you can say, well, Greg Berhalter made good decisions. When Cameron Carter-Vickers comes in for the third game, a must-win game, effective knockout game in a World Cup, you're thinking, what's going on there? But if you look at the way he got in front of uh, Asmoon and Tarimi, every time the ball was knocked into them, like it was was actually, it was very interesting to see how alert and quick he was to, he didn't try and hold them up. He stepped in and won the ball. And I thought, okay, that works. And his pace, oh, there was only one time, and it was in the, I think it was in, yes, the second half, when Tarimi got by him down the left-hand side. But I thought he did very, very well. But if Tarimi wasn't dribbling the ball through the center for most of that game, that was the only threat Iran had. And then later on, we gave them the threat, the threat by dropping so so deep and allowing them to put balls into the box and a seeding possession to them. Now, that was in some ways a consequence of being tired, of being a little bit leggy. But anything they did that was good in the second half was a consequence of the game state that we inflicted upon ourselves. And even then, they really couldn't create very, very much. No, I, I, thought, I, I thought it would have been a real shame if that header that flashed wide at the end had nestled in the bottom corner and uh, Iran were going out, I mean, it would have been one of those all-time blown opportunities in the history of U.S. soccer. Yes, yes. Uh, that would have been horrifying, truly. Um, looking at the first half, I mean, we'll, we'll start with that. I mean, look, we, we've seen this now on repeat in this tournament. The U.S. sort of flying in the face of much of what they did during qualifying. They're starting games really well. They're taking initiative early on. They're looking to attack and create. Now it's not always easy for them. And we've, you know, we've discussed that at length that this team just for whatever reason in the box in the final third, they just struggle. Um, 
there's any number of theories for that, whether you think that's a triple G thing, whether you think that that's just a personnel thing, that they don't have that number nine that can create that final end product. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is they saw a lot of possession when they lost possession. Once again, Tyler Adams, he just he's just everywhere winning the ball back. Eunice Musa, too, on his birthday, winning possession back, constantly getting the U.S. right back in the positions that they need to be in to create. And, you know, the other thing, J.J., we'll, I, I want to talk about Unsung Heroes in a bit, but I guess we can start sprinkling them in as we go here. Um, boy, Matt Turner. I mean, for whatever fears we had before this tournament, like, okay, we want him in there because ultimately we just want the best stop, uh, shot stopper, and he's that guy. If he's if he has shortcomings with his feet, so be it. Uh, do you see that? I don't see that. He, he, the the entire move for the goal started with Matt Turner making a perfect pass about 40 yards downfield to Tim Weah. Yeah, well, he's, he's not he's not being asked to. You see, the thing is, we've been spoiled with guys like you know Ederson and Allison who are side foot and passes straight in on goal for right. Like, th- but you you cannot be those guys while still it be not good. being a weakness for you. Absolutely, 100. percent And uh, look, his shot stopping, his feet have been very good. They have not been the concern that we expected they would be. And I would say that's in part from playing and training at Arsenal every day. I mean, he's just going to have to be able to use his feet under Mikel Arteta. Uh, And I also say his shot stopping has been superb, but thankfully he hasn't had to go full length too often. No, uh, he really hasn't. I think when you talk about where he's thrived so far in this tournament, you're right. It hasn't really been shot stopping, but I think it's been sort of just like his conviction of when he's coming for a ball that's near the net. You know, he's very sure-handed. He makes the right decisions. You don't see much whiffing or punching. He catches it. His distribution has been good afterwards. I mean, top marks so far for Matt Turner. Like, if there were any concerns there, they were were foolish to have had because he's been excellent. Um, No, and um, I think when we're talking about the first half, we have to say that um, it was quite clear that... Iran were going to cede the ball to us. They had the advantage. They were not really interested in in being on the front foot. And that in that, they would cede also the wide areas to us. And the amount of times that we got Robinson, or particularly on the right-hand side, we got Destin to no avail, to crosses that were cut out. It just felt... And there was a couple of people in my in my uh, WhatsApp group who said this is going to be a long game after another cutout cross, after a cross that was cut back and didn't find anybody. And then with the goal, what you saw was just that little bit more patience. There was no pressure on McKinney whatsoever, which was the first complete mistake. He floats that perfect ball in for that run of Dest and Dest header finds Pulisic. It was actually a really well worked goal, but it was symptomatic of of Iran's. Just, you know, they had no, I, I don't want to quote Alexi Lalas because this isn't quite fair. He said at halftime, they have no interest in this game. That's not true. They had interest in a very narrow um, sense of this game, which was to defend what they already had. Because don't forget, they started the game at nil-nil. That's all they needed. There was nothing else required of them. And so we had to be inventive. And time and again, Getting down the right-hand side wasn't working out. And one time it did. The run was timed perfectly. The header, that header has to be good. And I also think, and I'm curious what you think about this one, Andrew. I think uh, uh, Byron Van, the, the, the goalkeeper who had the concussion in the first game who comes back into the team, 
he's rooted to his line and he follows it across. And I'm wondering if a keeper who hasn't got bashed in the face and got a serious concussion once already in this tournament doesn't try and win that ball. Which one? The initial one to Dest or Dest playing it back to Pulisic? Dest playing it to Pulisic. I'll have to watch it again. I mean, I would say in real time and in the, I don't know, 200 times since that I've watched the replay of that goal, um, that hasn't that hasn't struck me. But I'm not saying you're wrong. I'll watch it again and I'll and I'll keep an eye out for that. That could that could be true. It's just because the keeper ended up kind of going back into the net rather than proactive. Like there you've the old school coaches would say ball and all. You got to take the man and the ball straight out if you want to stop that. So, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, I'm just trying to break the goal down as best I can. It was an excellent move and it was it was the best move of the game for us. Uh I mean, yeah, it yielded the goal. You know what you said before about Iran, it, you know, the game starting nil-nil, obviously, and that being all they needed. It's why, look, I'll say it now. I texted you before the game and I said, does it, does it make me a bad fan that I don't have a good feeling about this? Because that, that thought was in my head that just this idea of, okay, we need to score. And that is just not in this team's DNA. We know that they, you know, whatever we think of certain players in defense for the U.S., they do defend well. They're getting out of the group without having yielded a single goal in open play, which is really impressive. Um, But can they score in a game where they need one and where their opposition needs to do nothing but shut them down? That the opposition has no initiative to score, no reason to score. Those two things converging in this game, just they just worried me. Now, in the end, the U.S. only had to score once. You know, it could be an entire game of feeble attempt after feeble attempt. And some of their attempts were incisive and, and and good good chances at scoring additional goals. But for the most part, they had one great chance, it felt like, and they took it. Um, so it almost... I mean, ways, ways run for the offside. They showed... People were asking, why didn't that go to VAR? I mean, it's automated offside, guys. Right. So so they knew off. straight away they can see that's not off. Um, and then they showed the, the angle. They did the 3D graphic of the run and released it after... On, on television after the game and his his upper torso, his shoulder, um, and I think maybe part of his his knee was offside. So yeah, I don't think you can argue with the system. Super finish, absolutely super finish, and it was so tight. But uh, you can't argue with that. It was it was offside, as per the automated offside system. But I honestly, I I did feel Andrew that this was a game that the U.S. absolutely should have dominated uh, going into halftime, and they should be of the mindset to go on and, and and play exactly the same way in the second half. Ryan O'Hanlon, who writes for ESPN, tweeted, he said, at this World Cup and often in soccer, if you're playing well, do keep doing the things that have got you in this position. And you have to say that in the second half, there was a significant fall off from doing those things. Now, part of it is you've got this elite midfield and and McKinney can't go the full 90. So you have to take him out. You have to put someone else in there, Kellen Acosta or whoever. He's got Someone's got to go in. And then you lose a little bit of impetus. And also, Tyler Adams, Eunice Musa, Musa in particular, who was just such a workhorse today, they get tired too. And there is a natural falling back. So I guess in that sense, you know what? The US did well to defend it. Um, but you would like the second halves to be a little bit more reminiscent of what the team did in the first half. Yeah, it doesn't look like that. 
Um, I'll ask you again, the question that I asked you, I think it was after the Wales game of how much of that is the U S making a concerted decision to play that way versus the opponent now saying we now need to go for it. We can't, we can't rest on zero here. We need a goal. Like it is, there is also an opponent out there that's changing the way they play too. Yeah. Well, I think that's true. But if, if we're going on the successometer of the substitutions, you'd say Shaq Moore coming in defensive substitution, um, Kellen Acosta coming in, you know, defensive substitution. Um, Haji Wright really didn't do anything. Um, and then had that weak effort right at the end when, when you just want him to lace it or center it or do something right into the keeper's arms. Um, and and I thought Brendan Aronson did fine when he came in, but uh, the the back line just seemed to fall. And of course, Walker Zimmerman came into the game too as well. So, so I mean, you're bringing on how many? I mean, how many defenders we played? We must have played with five de facto six at the back for the final 20, 15, 20 minutes of that game. I mean, that's naturally going to invite the opposition onto you. Of I, course, and it was to Iran, Iran Iran's. Uh, shame, not shame, that's not right that's not the right word uh, it was to their lack of guile that Walker Zimmerman had how many headers when he came onto the field I mean, they kept lobbing the ball in on top of him instead of trying to do something constructive which they weren't able to do because from the middle of that first half, Andrew they were gassed, they were out of it and that's why if we kept going in the manner that we had we would have gotten another goal, but we didn't, and we fell back. And this is always going to happen. Yeah, I I think so too. I mean, it, it felt like the U.S. could have probably had another one in them. Now, look, Pulisic didn't play the second half. He he obviously left with the injury. That's a that's a big player to be missing when you're talking about wanting to attack. Um, I, I agree with you. Like ultimately, you know, I lived the Mourinho experience where this is what happened seemingly week in week out. Yeah, but that was from the kickoff with Mourinho. <laughs> But I'm saying like they would get a lead, they'd stop playing and then something, you know, sometimes it was out of a, a good move. But sometimes like if you're only protect, if you're going to try to protect a one goal lead week after week, game after game in a major tournament, like fluky things are going to happen too. penalties are going to occur. Things like that, you know, handball decisions, stuff Adam, like that. Adam Kubek makes a point here. It is also important to note Iran was actually pushing for a goal in the second half. It's easy to dominate when the opponent is sitting back. I just think that's that's right. Fine. It's easy to dominate. It was easier for Iran to get into the game when we sat back. Like the idea that our midfield, our our midfield was so more, so much more energetic, so much more lively, so much more intense. So much, so much more incisive than anything they did in the entire game. And yet for the last 20 minutes, Iran looked like the dominant side. How might that have come about? It's because we sat back. We fell back. Yeah. Now, with that being the case, I do want to compliment our defense a little bit too, uh, because obviously a lot was put on them in that second half to preserve what was just a one goal lead. That's, you know, tentative. Uh, a tentative lead at best. It was terrifying to watch, but those guys were so up for it. Um, you mentioned Carter Vickers before. I want to talk about the other two. The first one being Tim Ream, who's now started all three games. And JJ, I mean, look, I'll, I'll pat I'll pat you and I on the back because I do feel like we were talking about Tim Ream a while ago before it was even really a thing, just kind of suggesting right after the Miles Robinson injury 
sort of suggesting why is this guy like what has he done? Why is he not being considered? Look what he's doing right now on a very high level, captaining a team that was just promoted. Now he's going to start for a team in the Premier League. We hadn't even seen yet how good he was going to be this season. Then once that happened, you know, just this idea of how I've seen him play in these first three games of this tournament so far, to think that like a month ago, the idea of him being on this team was a long shot. That it didn't like that didn't feel realistic. He wasn't included in that camp that they had. And you kind of thought, you know, like guys like him and PFOC, it was like, well, I guess they just don't see it. Uh, and now here he is. And I can't picture anyone else back there doing what he's doing for this team right Can now. I make he's a, note a rock about for Re- them. Can I make a quick note? Just a quick interjection, Andrew. The problem with Ream is I said Ream probably shouldn't play for the U.S. again. Um, horrible the, take. One of your not, worst. Not a horrible take at all. Mm. Everyone forgets where Triple G was playing him. He was playing him in a, effectively in a left-back position, the left side of a back four, and he was getting skint out there. I mean, definitely don't play again for the U.S. if you're going to play him there, but at center well, half... he was never going to play there coming what, back. We have a, we have a left-back now. What? Will you listen to me for a second? Not That's not what I'm saying. The point I'm making is that the, the perceptions I had, and a lot of people had a ream from his last sojourn with the United States was that he was played out of position. He was played in a position where he couldn't prosper. And you thought, okay, that's it. And at that point, we thought we had our center backs wrapped up. We thought we knew who they'd be. And now he's come in in his right position after playing very well for Fulham. And he's been excellent. Just a point there that I wanted to make. Fool. Utter fool. He has to be there. I don't want anyone else there. It is amazing, too, by the way. So the team that played for the U.S. tonight is the youngest starting 11 that's played in a World Cup match so far uh, in this tournament. And that's with a 35-year-old. Like, imagine how young they are that, like, one of the 11 who's 35 years old isn't dragging the average up to the point where they're not the actual youngest in the tournament. That's incredible. Props to to this team that like that they could be so inexperienced and still come up big in such a big spot. Then the other player in defense that I wanted to give props to, um, you know, I mentioned at the top that Polisic's the guy that I was most happy for because, you know, he, he was on that field that night in Trinidad um, and, you know, had to kind of bear the brunt of a lot of the frustration that people have felt about this team over the last few years. Walker Zimmerman too, to the way this tournament started played well against Wales, but then had a a terrible moment. And you just wondered if that moment was in some way going to come back and bite this team. And then he's removed from the starting 11 tonight. Um, after like, he's been such a fixture there for the last couple se- uh, last several cycles for this team, going back to the start of qualifying, uh, he's taken out of the starting 11 and then he comes back in with about 20 minutes to go when you knew, okay, well now they've got three center backs in this game. Like we, we know what this is now. And he was tested and he was incredible. Like you said, yeah. repelling ball after ball. It felt like. Um, I've referenced this before, but it felt like that night in the Confederations Cup when the U.S. beat Spain, watching on Yewu that night, just repelling ball after ball, just nothing getting past him. He was immense for them late in this game. He really was. And, I, and you know, for a guy who had that bad moment to start out this tournament, for a guy who oftentimes, sometimes because of the way he plays, he's not, you know, not always our best player out on the field, but sometimes a little bit unfairly because of the league he plays in. People have a microscope on what he does out there. And for him to come in at a huge moment like that and play as well as he did to help preserve this win, props, man. Felt great for him. Yeah. 
I mean, he got dropped. Uh, that I, Whatever anyone says, that was a, a risk, albeit a calculated one, to break up your preferred centre-half pairing for the, for the most important game of, quali- of, the, uh, of the group stage. So, I mean, Greg got it right. The call was right. Um, but definitely bringing in him and Shaq Moore at that time brought, uh, brought the attack um, on top of us. Uh, Colin George, CCV didn't touch the field in qualifying starts in the most pivotal game. Only reason I can think of it is him playing for Celtic. Used to dominating possession and Triple G wanted some, someone pacey. Those two things are true. At the pace, I think his strength, I think the way that he um, that he was able to to deal, like I said, with that ball coming in uh, to Tarimi and to step in and take the ball, I think that was absolutely key. And you wouldn't have known that uh, otherwise, unless unless you'd seen him in training and seen the things that um, that Triple G saw, because. For me, it was a controversial decision. Not that yeah. he doesn't play at a good level. He's a Champions League player. He's captain Celtic in the Champions League. But I thought um, CCV did very well tonight. Triple G will not rest until he has blown the minds of every single one of his haters. And when, you, when you saw tonight, JJ, that this was only the second time since MLS's birth that the U.S. rolled a team out there that did not have a single MLS starter. I sometimes wonder, is, is Triple G doing these things just just to mess with his trolls. <laughs> um, he's not, but he's n- it's he's a funny not, thought. But, but someone, tw- someone tweeted, I th- um, maybe was it John Muller uh, tweeted, after every game, uh, Triple G runs back to get internet at the hotel to, st- to, to see if people still like him. They don't, we won't, we never will. <laughs> I think it was, maybe it was Waki actually that did it. Oh, wow. That feels like a harsh Watke tweet. It was something like that. But no, he was being funny. It, it was very much Watke tongue-in-cheek. If he, was saying he, if he was saying it, he'd go, Greg Berhalter goes back to his hotel, and um, he opens the hotel door, and um, he, he checks it on, on the internet, hoping for um, some positivity, but um, he's not getting any. It's a pretty good impression. That's It's a pretty good one that you do. I, I guess good. while we're talking about old Triple G, we have to have our, our designated segment of the show where we now analyze how he is in the minds of American fans out there um, because it's been a wild few days for this guy uh, as Eric Winalda somewhat, I, I not somewhat, he kind of, he walked back his initial comments. Um, and so a lot of the people who, when you heard the initial Winalda comments that Bearhalter asked Gio Reyna to go along with his lie about Reyna's health, there were some people out there who were not quick to bite on this. There was some, uh, what was the phrase that I kept seeing used? Unreliable narrator, I think, is what people were <laughs> referring to Winalda as. Uh, I've settled on, well, I don't know that we'll ever really know the truth here. Maybe one day there will be some, like, some kind of deep cut feature on just everything that happened over the course of this tournament. Uh, and then we'll find out the real truth right now. I, I guess you kind of just have to say, we don't know, but the fact is Bearhalter has been through it over these last couple weeks, really these last few years. Um, and so where, where is he at tonight? Like I'm thinking about it right now and you know, I'm so torn because I mean, look, I, I have supported him more than most. I get the criticisms. There are times when I feel that way too, when I want to pull hair out of my head with some of the decisions that are made. I get it. But like, like I've always said, results do have to matter a little bit. 
And if he continues to tick these boxes, Nations League against Mexico, B-Squad Gold Cup over Mexico's A-Squad to win that. The big one of qualifying for a World Cup, he does it. Beats Mexico along the way once again in that. Gets to a World Cup. Advances out of the group stage with the second youngest team in the entire tournament. Like, Mm. at a certain point, I guess you can continue to hate him for whatever reasons you have. But, like, do the results not matter? They have to matter a little. Uh, yeah i mean okay it hasn't looked the way people have wanted it to look and i think that that's what people can't get past no it it hasn't what they are though i think qualifying was a disappointment though andrew in the sense that like there was so many games away from home where we just didn't look up to it canada finished in a better position than us um the two wins against mexico gave you hope um, but let's talk about here and now. Let's talk about the game tonight. So what are the things, the calls that he made, the changes that he made? So we've already said he brought in Cameron Carter-Vickers. That's the thumbs up. Um, John Conte, what did you guys think of Sargent tonight? Sargent, who started the opening game, uh, uh, was dropped for the second game and comes back into the team again. I, I think thought he, he was good tonight. I, I really he, did. John says, I think he had a great game tonight doing the dirty work, very Giroud. Like, does that warrant another start? I thought he was good. I'd be worried about what's happened to him, um, whether he's hurt ankle ligaments, that tackle where he's gone over the top and then he's kind of planted and the ankle has, has gone in a... a, a not a, not a great looking uh, fashion. And it was so unfortunate because he's actually landed a little bit on the ball and that caused it. So... I think that's, I I, th- I think that was a call he got right. I think the I think in game he's not great. I I think he might even look analyze himself and say I'm maybe maybe I maybe I haven't. I mean he got Aronson in as quick as he possibly could because of the injury to Polisic. But maybe he thinks he can he could um, maybe he thinks he can do things differently um, and do things quicker. And I and I definitely think that. The pressure at the end was invited pressure by bringing on two defenders, one of them being a center half. So maybe, you know, maybe that's something he can manage. Um, Our finishing, I I would hope the U.S. are doing nothing but crossing and finishing and and combination drills in attack because they seem to have pretty much everything else in good order except that. Can I blame the manager for that? That we don't have really maybe an out-and-out number nine? I I don't. That's one of the things that I don't. I don't, I don't. Um, I mean, and you see it in certain moments too, you know, where like, again, this is not a criticism. Tim Weah, I think has been so important for this team. Um, But like, you know, a ball comes to Tim Weah, you know, he's seven yards from goal. There's not really a player around him. He decides to go for a header rather than letting that ball fall when he, he probably could have let that come down, settled it and taken a shot that would have had a lot more power and strength on it than his header did. Uh, another one, I think it was way again, who probably could have been a little bit more selfish. Um, there was a combo play. It looked like the U S were in space. Was that when they had the three on two, uh, way got the ball probably should have just taken the shot himself and tries tried to, to make, get it back to Sargent, tried yeah. to make an additional pass that just wasn't there. And it, and it, you know, so they're getting themselves in positions to do damage. Um, and that's kind of what I've said about this manager. It's one of the things that, you know, I do think that there are moments when the U.S., especially against Wales, you saw it tonight, um, little bits maybe here and there versus England, but he can get them in positions. But ultimately, at, at a certain point, players have to make the right decisions. They're the ones out on the field doing these things. So that's, John that's Co- been my whole thing all along is that just like we can't forget that the players are also part of the equation in a good way, too. They let, deserve let, credit, too. Let's allow the, the animals to have a word here. John yeah, Cook, please. we want to be elite, not just good. 
Triple G is a good manager, not elite. I would say to you, John, apart from maybe that midfield, maybe maybe Aronson in some ways, like we don't, they but, did but, a, I think it was the Athletic did like this wave graph of every country before the World Cup. And they did where our players are at in terms of the very top. And it was ranked on what league they play in. Excuse me, Champions League football, all those things. And like we're middle of the pack. Yeah. We're like, middle of the road. And also, too, look, I get his point, and I feel that way also. And there are moments when I do believe we are underachieving at times with the way that I that I see us play. But again, like just take a step back for a second. Think about that comment. We want to be elite, not just good. It's a team of 20-year-olds. They just advanced out of the group stage at a World Cup. Like, they've won multiple trophies against their biggest rival who are a team of 30-year-olds and players in their prime. Like, think about that. That Does that not matter? Yeah. Like, I, do, you, do you not think that, that's, that that is some sort of correct trajectory for a team of guys almost exclusively under the age of 24 that have never gone through a World Cup qualification cycle, have never played in a World Cup before? And they're doing this. They just advanced out of the group stage. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't happen like that. We're okay. We're great now. Like it's not when you're, when you're dealing with a team this young, it's not like that. And, and I do think that um, we have to remember like Garrett Southgate's not an elite manager. You know, the elite managers don't manage in international football. They, they, they don't. Garrett Southgate in his comments, he talked about before the, the, um, the England-USA game talked about how Greg Berhalter uh, had experience, more experience than he had getting into management. Like, Gareth Southgate has done it a very particular way. And and look at look at the criticism Southgate gets for being a conservative manager, for not getting the best out of his players. You hate his guts. Well, I, I mean, I don't, ha- I don't hate anyone. That's, that's very unfair. Uh, but you know, I know what you mean. I don't think I don't think he's getting the best out of that team either. But um, elite, there's not that many elite managers in international football. Um, would you say the Portuguese manager is elite? I, I don't think so. How many of these managers at the World Cup would walk into the top jobs in the English Premier League? Like any of them? One of them? Yeah, it's a good. It's like a, none of them. It's a fair question to ask. You're right. International football is not the elite of football. It hasn't been for decades, if it ever was. So I think we maybe need to, and, and I'd be of the opinion, yeah, there's times I wish we had more cohesion in, in, in the way we do things. Um, I wish that um, in the final third, we were more crafty, but some of that's down to players. Some of that's down to selection. But I think a lot of the criticism around Greg Bearhalter tonight is again over Gio Reyna not seeing a second on the field. Yeah, again, I don't know. I don't know if he's healthy or not. I don't know. He has to be at least a little bit because he got on the field for seven minutes the other night against England. I guess here's what I would ask you about that. Um, In a game where the U.S. took the lead relatively early on, 38th minute, now we get into the second half. It, it, does it make more sense that you wouldn't turn to a player like Gio Reyna? 
like any the substitutions that you make primarily at that point, once you get to like the 60th and beyond, they're probably going to be more defensive minded. Uh, we can but debate if, whether or not that's the right approach, but that is clearly the tack that they were going to take. We're going to try to, we're going to preserve this. Um, so if that's, if that's the way you're thinking, does it then, does it make a little more sense that maybe he wouldn't be in their plans on a night like that? I, I, I'm mystified by this because I felt in the England game and again tonight that a person who can do the things that Gio Reyna can do, who has that skill set, would have made a big impact in the game. And, and we aren't seeing him. And what, whatever is going on, I think Greg has looked at these games. I think he's looked at his squad. I think he's looked at the tournament. And he's looked at youthfulness and athleticism and durability. Like, that midfield three is going for its, um, you know, it's played three games in eight game, in eight days, and it's going to be the same midfield three again on Saturday. And we hope. McKinney, we it looked like, was a little bit hurt coming off. Um, but I, I would assume for now, we haven't heard much about that. So I would assume that, yeah, it'll be I, those three again. I, I really and it should d- be. I really feel that uh, Bearhalter doesn't think he can rely on Reina from a, a physicality standpoint and maybe he looks at the game states and thinks I need athleticism here I need I need something and that he is just not physically able to give it to me I hate saying that because he's so young yet but who knows I mean he's been very carefully managed by Dortmund like extremely carefully managed and we saw him very carefully managed in September was it against Japan Andrew where he came off before half time? Yeah. Yeah. You could be right. I mean, I, you know, we, we were only going off of the one comment from triple G that, you know, that they were dealing with some kind of muscle issue with geo that they were trying to be careful with. Again, he got on for seven minutes versus England. So there's always going to be people who say, well, if he could do that, why can't he do a little bit more? I mean, I don't know that I subscribe to that theory. I think that managers kind of look at a guy and determine what they think he can actually give them before they put him in some kind of jeopardy. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, we all think the world of him as a player, um, and I do feel bad for him. I'm sure it's incredibly frustrating that he's gotten to this point. He's on this team, and this team is doing well, but he could add something, of course. I'm sure it's frustrating for him. Um, I hope we do. I, I want to see him. I want him to play badly because I really think highly of him. Joey Vosters comes back with my uh, with his, you know about my theory about what managers are elite, and he says Hansi Flick just out of Bayern. Um, I mean, he won at European Champions League. He came into that team, he did very well, and then there was a bit of a fall off, and then he decided to take the Germany job. So we never saw a large enough sample size of him at Bayern Munich to say he was elite. So I, I'm not sure about that one either. And what did he? I mean, it's he hasn't had a long. Uh, illustrious club career prior to to winning that Champions League, and I'm but, not dim- I'm not who- diminishing. He got the most. He came in and did a really great job with a with a very talented uh, Bayern Munich team. But but I think the point there, I think he's probably right. If Flick decided at the end of this tournament that he's resigning from the Germany job, I think a lot of prominent club doors would open up for him. So and that was your that was what you were asking, right? It's like who could walk in from an international job yeah, to a prominent club? I think I, he. I, I think he maybe, could. I think Luis Enrique Enrique could again because yeah, he definitely. But, but he set the table for his career with with the job he did at, at Barcelona. So 
Well, so but that's we true go. of most of these guys. They, yeah. they most of them came up in the, through Louis the ranks Van of some club teams. Louis Van Hal is no longer elite, guys. Stop. Uh, and as I just said, Luis Enrique definitely is. But Van Hal is not. And and um, and maybe we'll find that out at the weekend. Which is a nice maybe we teaser. will. Bef- before we get to that, JJ, uh, how active are the animals right now on the YouTube chat? Uh, are there a bunch coming through? Because if you want to compile some, I can play. Uh, I can play the game again that I played the other night of of. Let's find random objects near me from the random locations that I'm broadcasting from. No, you... no, no. We're good. We're good. The 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 questions are coming through very very nicely. Didier Deschamps is not an elite manager. Didier Deschamps is a very successful international manager who's got. But like, system. how do we how do we decide how do, he might win two World Cups? Yeah, I know he's not elite. He's not a club elite manager. Show me his CV. Throw it down in front of me. Your 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 scale, your rating system for elite is is a little bit whack. This is the most. This is like Sly Desert Fox. Could Mancini get a top job? Um, I think I think he probably could have a year ago. Um, but now the uh, now the old CV has the blot of not qualifying for a World Cup. So so yeah, I'll tell you uh, what. It's funny the way like perceptions of different managers. Um, you know, we all view well not all of us but here in the united states the the prism through which greg bearhalter is viewed is is fascinating it's uh it's generally not all that positive but jj like we were looking at tweets after the england game over the weekend and like (laughs) i think that there would be a fair number of english fans who watch that game that would be stunned to find out that bearhalter is not beloved by the american fan base I mean, if the, yeah, probably. But if they applied their own logic to what they do with Southgate, they could. Uh, he's American Southgate. They go, oh yeah, I got you. Okay, makes sense. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. I guess that could be. Um, off the top of my head here, putting you really on the spot. Go on. And I encourage everyone listening right now on the YouTube live stream to weigh in with your thoughts as well. So the Pulisic goal. Like, so what are we talking in terms of biggest American goals? scored i mean there's so few of them to pick from and then this should be easy yeah it's right let's, up let's there. i mean let's let's list the nominees obviously donovan donovan i think that's still ahead of it simply because of when it occurred in that donovan's match. ernie stewart's um which ultimately sent the u.s through in 94 um 2000 well, that was more of the own goal right from andres escobar stewart was kind of the cherry on top that was a 2-1 win uh, if I remember correctly, or was it 2-0? Um, and then I would say in 2002, take your pick. Goals against well, Portugal, the, thing, the goals against the, Mexico. Yeah, the 2002 run is tough to find one singular goal that would stand out above the others. Main sports guru with a very cool moment. Speaking of the goals, love the pod. Just wanted to come by and say hi. My classroom exploded when we scored today. One of the coolest moments I've had in five years of teaching. That's and it's an awesome teacher that you would put that on. Yeah, I was uh, going to ask, was that because students like was he a professor in like a big room where like students were like trying to subtly watch on their phones, or was it something that he put on a screen so I, they could watch? Well, if the room exploded, I'm ex- I'm presuming it was up front and that everybody was was watching. That is one of the hard things to navigate with this, JJ. Um, you watched at home, so you wouldn't you wouldn't have found this. But like when these games are on during the day, oftentimes if you can't make it to a bar, 
like what you're doing is if you're at work, you're streaming from your desk and there's a good chance that like 50 other people are also streaming from their desks, but like no one's streams are aligned. And so like, you'll hear a distant shout and then eight seconds later, you'll see why that happened. Like it's, that stuff is tough. It, that's like a, a hard, a weird thing to have to navigate during this. There's like the collective viewing isn't always so collective when like people are at their cubicles at work trying to watch this. No, no, that's all, true. Like we got to find, everybody's got to just like band together and get one stream and we'll just gather around that, bring your laptops and like, you got to go off of that. You can never find the aligned streams. Yeah. Uh, and there's nothing worse than someone being ahead of you. Nothing. Yeah. And it's, and it's inevitable. It happens all the time. Uh, feel free to continue chiming in on the, uh, the YouTube live stream. Uh, uh, let me see. Let's see what uh, Dempsey against Ghana. Uh, definitely. That's one up of my there. favorites. Donovan against Mexico. Uh, best is Mex- McBride's header in 2002. Can you uh, refresh my memory? Was the header, the diving header against Portugal, was it? Yeah. I'm guessing that's the one he's talking about. Yeah, that was, was absolutely... a thing of beauty. I mean, aesthetically, that's that's on the very high on the list. Uh, the I mean, Hamburg... like, look, are people going to say what was it? Was it Caligiri who scored against Trinidad to get the U.S. back into the World Cup? I mean, that's the all timer because not only was that goal amazing, that goal literally ripped the heart out of Trinidad and Tobago. That stadium was full. It was going to be a coronation. TNT were going to the World Cup. In 1990, all they had to do was was look after the U.S. and they did not. So that, that that goal was absolutely stunning. If you can find the video on YouTube, guys, you should watch that um, because it it was it was just a sea of red, a sea of red, and it's an absolutely brilliant goal. Yeah, by uh, by Caligiuri from real uh, distance. Too. Yeah. Um, let me see. I remember uh, Eddie Sanchez. I remember Germany 2006 opening match. We walked into English class, told the teacher at the World Cup we're not doing any work today. She eventually put it on. <laughs> so, so, Eddie, you had a coup d'etat in uh, in the middle of uh, in the teachers. Of teachers have to understand that, like, this is the stuff that, like, of course, your lessons are important. We have to learn in school. Like, we all get that, but like. Teachers have got to understand when the moment calls for something cool to happen in class that their students are going to remember for the rest of their lives. Like, come on. You yeah. got to get that. Yeah, no, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, Tyler Bates with a shockingly bad call. I'm sorry, Tyler. And at the, at the time, you were so right. Tyler says, honorable mention for Bradley's 2017 goal at the Azteca. And just because of the goal called by John Strong, any scores, that was the, the chip from, from halfway inside the Mexican half. Pretty incredible one. Super goal, but... Oh. I mean, you're right, because it ended in disaster. But it, but it was the takeology that happened after that game, the 1-1 draw. Um, I remember Rob Stone tweeted, uh, people who doubted uh, uh, Bruce Arena, the ship is steadied. We're going to the World Cup with the 1-1 draw. Oh, we were, you have to remember our headspace in that time, JJ. It was unthinkable pre Kuvo that the U.S. could not qualify for a World Cup. So that's many of us. He was not alone in thinking that way when that happened. Daniel Wyman, are you guys going to talk about Polisic's injury? Yes. But the problem with that is, Daniel, um, the U.S. have, have issued a Tom Brady tweet saying he had a, an abdomen injury and he's day to day. 
Well, that's now being referred to as a pelvic contusion. A pelvic contusion. Excuse we don't know. Me. I mean, look, Twitter decided that something happened to his 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 private parts. The U.S. said it was his abdomen. Then it was a pelvic contusion. I don't know. Hey, the the fact of the matter is, if you saw the videos afterwards uh, of him waiting for the team back in the, the hotel, it's about his, I mean, he's usually a guy, I don't know, if you talk about like joyful Pulisic, it's not a version of him we see all that often. Even after he scores, it's almost like when Richarlison scores, it's kind of like angry, happy. Like he's got a little bit of that in him too. If you saw the video from the team arriving at the hotel and him there to greet them, it's the happiest I've ever seen him. He's playing on Saturday. I no. can't imagine him looking like th- as happy as he was if he knew that something bad he, had happened. He said it on his Instagram. I have much more concern over Sargent, and I have a relative concern uh, over Weston McKinney. But I think, and I hope Musa rests up. I really want Musa and Tyler Adams to wrap themselves in cotton wool and just be looked after. We should probably move off this game and talk about what's coming next, Andrew, because the animals definitely want to talk about Saturday. And I think some of them are calling it the credit card derby, credit card uh, versus cash derby. Um, Would you like to quickly explain to the people who are listening why we would call that? I've held a a long-standing vendetta against the Dutch for one lonely night in Barcelona. Um, I went to an ice bar. It was a, a lovely evening with my family. I went to uh, buy a round of drinks for them. So I went up to the bar and like, like most people, I don't know. I used a credit card. I was going to put down my tab and uh, there was a group of, of Dutchmen standing nearby as this happened. And they (laughs) just group of Dutchmen. What's a group of Dutchmen called? They just, (laughs) they just let me have it. They were ruthless. Oh, credit card. Of course. Americans and their credit cards. Americans and their credit cards. And I looked and I said, I didn't even know he was talking to me. It was it was that weird. Can you it's not, not do a, a, it's can you not, not a do criticism? A better... I'm just it's a form of payment. And so I said, so I then I looked at him, I said, Me? He said, Yeah, you Americans credit cards, always with the credit cards. I said, This is weird. And I walked away, but it <laughs> stuck with me. And now my chance for redemption, it's here. Everyone I, thought this was Serginio's death, Serginio Death's moment going up against the Dutch. Uh-uh. This is this is my moment, JJ. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Um, it's such it's such a specific vendetta. It really is quite specific. Um Apparently, someone said in, in uh, Trey, Trey Brown in, in the comments said in the chat, uh, Germans hate credit cards too. This is a thing? Is this a thing in Europe? Not, not where I come from. I mean, I'll tell you, in Brooklyn, I always like to tip the bartender in cash. Yeah, you know, I throw down. I usually, I do the same. But, like, I put a tab down with a card. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This doesn't need to be analyzed. I'm right, okay? I'm right about this. <laughs> Their behavior was out of line and ridiculous. And now they need to be paid for it. What do we think about this game? I mean, I, we said before the tournament, you know, we did that thing where we're like, okay, if we advance out of the group, let's look down the line and see what could be waiting for us. And this was what we predicted, um, like most people did. Yeah. And while we looked at it, you know, I think our initial thought was, okay, like there's something there. You know, it's not 
Brazil, France, Argentina, Spain, Germany, England. Like it's it's the next, it's like a couple tiers below. So there's a thought that like, yeah, no, we'll be no one's favorite in the game, but I'd rather be playing them potentially than the seven other teams that you know that I just rattled off. Having said that, they look. I mean, look, they look good. It's still Virgil Van Dyke, Frankie De Jong. Uh, Cody Gakpo has become, you know, all these tournaments, there's always the one emerging young superstar. You're looking at it like that's who they're going to have to deal with. Memphis Depay. Like there's nothing there's nothing easy about what lies ahead here. Uh, Sean uh, Gerard and uh, Des should pull a credit card out of his shorts after he scores the winner. Oh, God. <laughs> um, John Conte, I tip I, I tip on my card. Am I wrong? No, I, no, like, no pay, you're if fine. You, pay, you should tip with cash. It's okay to tip on a card. Come it's on. fine. It's fine. Most places buy like to be able to give them cold hard cash. They can do whatever they want with it. Um, uh, yeah. So, JJ's so listen, slipping into Americans in their credit cards mode. Uh, so listen, I once, once it was absolutely confirmed, whatever happened, we were going to, we were going to uh, play the Dutch on Saturday. Um, I had a really, and I have a really good feeling about it just from watching the Dutch. Now I haven't really done my full analysis on the Dutch yet. I've just watched them, you know, watch their games and they haven't blown me away at all. Now it doesn't mean they aren't talented. They are, but they've been kind of a little bit ponderous, a little bit. And then I saw a tweet by Jack Pitt Brook and I, I always need, um, I always need someone to validate my feelings. (laughs) English validation. So, so Jack tweeted this, feel like the Netherlands versus USA has real classic potential. Something about the class of, clash of styles, fearless young USA team, slightly ponderous Dutch approach. It has an epic feel. It does have that feel. And more than anything, it, it has the feel of a game that we can win. Now, they've been driven on by, by goals, which are, how, how would I put it? Spectacular goals from uh, Gakpo, which have <laughs> not a heck of a lot to do with amazing interplay or passing. It's been more to do with kind of his own ability to find the top corner. Now, that's not always sustainable. And that's something I like to see. So apparently he has a, he has like three goals and he has an, uh, you know, an XG of 0.29 or something. <laughs> And he's one that, you know, he scored across, he scored across the three games in the group stage, which suggests a player in form and a player to be worried about. But Mm -hmm. I'm not that worried about the Dutch as I sit here. I'm just not. And there's still a feeling that, well, we haven't seen the best out of Memphis Depay. Are we going to see the best out of him? Like, is he going to be a starter? Is he going to fit into the into the line alongside uh, Gakpo? And I just feel they've, I mean, they've qualified. They're in the round. They've won their group. But I, I think it's a good draw. Am I? Am, should I be zapped? Do I need to be zapped? I, I feel good about it. Now, again, what I don't feel good about is that we will definitely take the chances that come to us or create enough. That that would be my concern. But otherwise, the Dutch right now, until I I do a bit more of a deep dive on them. They don't worry me. And all the pressure will be on them. It doesn't yes. matter what we've done in the group now. All the pressure is on the Dutch. That is certainly true. Um, yeah, I mostly agree with you. Like, 
And I don't think you need to get zapped for that. And look, I do acknowledge that the Dutch are looking at this matchup and thinking, oh, yes. Think of some of the opponents we could have had. So, like, I, I know our place here. Um, but I I don't know. I just can't. I can't be afraid of them in the same way that I would be afraid of some of the other teams that we view as as more solidified favorites in this tournament. I mean, they could have, like, if you watch the Ecuador game, you kind of felt like Ecuador should have got some or should have beaten them. Yeah, yeah, potentially. Now, look, there are elements of the Dutch that that I'm a little bit afraid of. Like, if we're talking about the U.S. struggling to score goals, and then you're going to throw Virgil Van Dyke into the equation, like that's you know, that's it's not going to be easy. Um, yeah. Also, too, I know that some people are, are sometimes frustrated by the the play of Frankie De Jong. I think that I saw that he was. I think he's leading the tournament in line breaking passes or passes into the final third. Uh, he scored also today. Um, again, so like there's, there are players there. There's reasons to, to fear them. I mean, they were, elements. they were soundly outshot by Ecuador. Um, they, the Dutch had three shots, one on target. Ecuador had four shots on target out of 15. And first game against Senegal, I mean, that was that wasn't great either. I, I and I'm not trying to talk myself into this. I actually feel it. I think this is a game that we can win. Can you imagine? I kind of agree with you. I don't think you're I don't think you're crazy for feeling this way. I don't know. I think I think that we're just are we just riding this wave right now? No. No. I th- I think what what we're doing is we're going on so I tried to tap up um uh, Keys Van Hemmen on uh, the data analyst guy uh, from Northwestern who writes about Manchester United and, and and the Dutch, and he is Dutch himself. And I tried to get into him about how they're feeling. And the best I could really get out of him was he feels as if they're getting better as the tournament goes along. They have a very good group. He thought the game against Qatar was a, was a better performance than the two that came before it. And... That I mean, the other thing he added was anything less than beating the U.S. will be seen as a massive, massive disappointment. Absolutely, and and that is that is a pressure. That is a real pressure. Yeah. Um, so yeah. with expectations comes pressure. There's no question about that. And the U.S. are going to be playing f- somewhat free of that. Yeah. Guys so. in the chat, don't forget to give us the thumbs up here on the video. Because that makes sure that the other people who like videos can see us too. So hit the old thumbs up. Thanks. Um, let's see. As we wind it down here, JJ, uh, I want to kind of bring it full circle back to Iran for a minute. Um, you know, we talked about the game. We did not really talk about the build up to this game. Uh, well, I did on PBS. <laughs> okay. Um, but we should do it here as well. Uh, <laughs> like this, I don't know, this game like England was always the glamour fixture of this group. But after that happened, the stakes being what they were, this being essentially a playoff game to move on. And then it's unavoidable in this sport. And especially in this competition, like the geopolitical rivalries and all that stuff, it just sometimes has a way of bubbling over. We talked a little bit about the way the U S handled uh, they're align, aligning themselves with the protesters in Iran that it it just didn't come off the way that I think they had envisioned. And it created it created an absolute firestorm around this game. Uh, the press conference 
on when was that now Monday morning with Greg Bearhalter and Tyler Adams was extraordinary. I mean, it was honestly, I guess in hindsight, we shouldn't necessarily be stunned by it, but like, as it was playing out and as you're reading comments uh, that that are being live tweeted of, of the questions that are being asked, Greg Bearhalter being asked about the U S about demanding that the American government remove the Naval fleet from the Persian Gulf. And it's Bearhalter sitting there having to answer that. <laughs> like it's just and Tyler it's Adams wild. Tyler Adams, first of all, being uh, chastised for the way he said he was saying Iran instead of Iran. Yeah. And then basically told that there was, I mean, implicit in the question was, you know, how can you play for a country that has such a terrible uh, situation as regards race relations? Bearhalter was also asked about, does the team even support you considering the rates of inflation and how expensive things are? <laughs> like they were hit with absolutely everything. Yeah, um, it was pretty wild. It almost felt like it like it felt like what you would put the U.S. players and, and coaches through in like a media training session when you're like, OK, won't you sit up here? We're going to ask you some ridiculous questions to try to get you ready for like when when the media tries to get you. Except this was real life. Like this was actually happening before an audience of however many thousands of people. Um, it it was wild. I got to say, I mean, this is this is a, a take that's been repeated many times over, but it has to be said. Um, the way Tyler Adams handled himself in that setting. I don't know. I, I couldn't possibly be prouder to have that guy as the captain of my team. No, well, he was, was excellent. It was an incredible performance by him to not take the bait, to be respectful, to be thoughtful in his answers. And I, it and was I would say maturity that, beyond his years. It was it was really extraordinary. And and I I would say that these these questions were not in good good faith. No, uh, a lot of them were were from people affiliated directly with Iran state media, and you know the tenor of the question. And and I think, honestly, though, part of me feels like we injected the sting into this. So I think what happened was the U.S. Th this might have always happened. Uh, I guess we'll never know. But with the flag controversy, I think the U.S. opened the door a little bit. And I think with the with the Iranian Iranian media, especially state media, if you give them an inch, they're going to take a billion miles, and I think that's I think that's what played out in that press conference. I, they, the not, U.S. I, gave them in, that inch. And look, the Harry Kane, the English FA, the Welsh FA, the German FA, the Danish FA have all been described in, by different groups as weak for not going ahead and wearing the rainbow armband. I would say that in terms of a weak gesture to fiddle and mess with the Iranian flag then only to change it back is pretty weak from USSF too. Not to inform the manager either. It was just botched. Um, and I would have thought they would have taken some advice from the US State Department or the government when dealing with a noted foe like, like Iran. Like I just thought it was botched. It was a mistake, and I don't. I don't. It did. It may have come from a good place, but it didn't make any sense. How about just a tweet saying you support the women of Iran and their right 
to exist as human beings full to to the fullest extent within the society you know like just something like that rather so, than you're right though some level of coordination on a higher level like this is these are th- these are actions that reverberate in a big way um but you know some of it though the irony of certain questions being asked in looking back on it in hindsight um you know bearhalter being asked if if Americans even support you. And then yeah. to see JJ, some of the videos being tweeted out from Tehran tonight, I can't believe what I'm seeing. What are you the seeing? Way, the celebrations for the United States defeating Iran, because there's, I guess, if you look at these videos, there's just the feeling of this team is that they're kind of like an arm of the government and that they represent the Iranian government, that they that don't was- necessarily represent the people. I don't know that that's fair or not, but for whatever reason, it seems that that's the perception within Iran among the general public. And you're seeing fireworks, hearing chants of America. Um, it's it's bizarre. It uh, is. But I mean, the whole, the whole the whole tournament has been such a psychodrama for for Iran. Like they had their anthem booed by their own supporters in the stadium for the England game. Then they get absolutely hammered. Carlos Quiroz is asked about it and he he's upset because the supporters aren't behind his team, which which makes sense. But also there's a bigger picture here at play and, and soccer seems so insignificant as to what was going on there. Um, I, I thought, uh, was it, it was Tim Way's Instagram post where he uh, posted a picture in his story of the Iranians lining up for the national anthem and saying how proud he was to play against these players. And yeah, because they didn't sing the national anthem. Then we, they were kind of bullied into singing it against Wales. And we've heard different reports of threats to the mm-hmm. team to make sure that they behave themselves. Um, yeah. Like I mean, I, the, they, pre- they were the pressure on... they played under, there was a part of me uh, that wanted them to go through tonight. Um, well, easy. You know what I mean? I, I understand. If there was yeah. a way, I, I do get what you're saying. And by the way, for whatever I would have loved if there was a way that they could have topped the group or, or gone through or something. For whatever yeah. tensions seem to exist politically um, on the field, you're right. I saw the Tim Wea tweet. I thought that was beautiful. And when the game was over, um, I forget who it was for Iran, but there was a, a moment with a, a really lengthy embrace between that player. Uh, you've got to forgive me for not remembering. And Anthony Robinson, I mean, really like an extended embrace with the player kind of collapsing into Robinson's arms in tears and Robinson consoling him. Uh, I think it was Christian Roldan maybe also came over. I mean, it was, there seemed to be a lot of respect on the field. There were no incidents during the match that were of any real notable ugliness or anything to that extent. I mean, it was, it was a pretty, I don't know. It was a pretty well-played game in that sense. Uh, so whatever, you know, whatever feelings there were, intentions there were off the field, it did not translate at all in terms of any ugliness on the field, which I thought was nice. I agree with you. Um, one thing before we park this, mention a few other games and then get out. <laughs> I, I would I would say that that chance for uh, Sam Godos, where Tarimi doesn't get to it, but he does and he just whips his shot wide. That was that was a that was my heart and mouth moment, much more than the header at the end. That yeah. one was like, I mean, you thought in another universe that's going into the upper corner because uh, you could see it bending that way, but he just didn't get enough, didn't get enough bend on it, was a little too high. 
um, yeah, that one, that one was terrifying. I mean, look, there were a few moments. They had a, a free kick late where it was put into the, into the box and kind of just pushed a little bit wide of the post. Um, I mean, obviously the moment in the 98th minute is the one that I think will be remembered that ball kind of scoots underneath Turner and Walker Zimmerman cleans it up. Uh, I don't know that that ball was had enough juice to get over the line, but no. thankfully Zimmerman was there to make sure no one else could get to it. There were, I mean, there were a lot of hearts and mouths moment in the last 25 minutes of this. Uh, I should mention, and I agree totally with this, um, Michael Italiano, it seemed like most of the game, each team was apologizing for fouls and helping each other up. Yeah. Rob Stone, out, out of the corner of my ear, I heard him talking about the time wasting and the et cetera, et cetera, that the Iranian players were, were doing. I did not see that beyond the norm. I really did not see that. Um, no. And it was, and whatever, I mean, look, this tournament, I'm not as affected by that because you kind of know that it's all going to be put back. Like they're not, there, there was nine minutes of stoppage time tonight. Like <laughs> you're getting your money's worth in these games. So if you want a time waste, fine but it's it's going to come back to you so i'm not i guess i'm not as heightened to it as i normally would be when you know that that isn't the case um but like i don't know in a situation like this sure i guess that that can be frustrating but i, I don't know maybe i'm just saying this because the us were doing a little bit of it in the second half themselves but like i kind of get it yeah when it's a winner take all game to advance out of the group stage into the round of 16 of, of a world cup like i kind of i kind of get that that stuff you have to do those things you got to do whatever it takes to win do you want me to take you through the other games um andrew yesterday and today just to get us up to speed if you would like to sure well i would like to and i think it's important all right uh the morning games in group g and group h uh, yesterday monday were absolute classics Brilliant, brilliant games. Um, Cameroon 3, Serbia 3. Bonafide classic. Uh, the Serbs were 3-1 up, uh, at which they continued to play what can only be described as an unfeasibly high line, and Cameroon took advantage and managed to equalize. Um, that was a truly fun game to watch. It was the early game, so I, I realize um, a, a lot of people wouldn't have seen it, and uh, it was uh, Eric uh, Chupamoting who just, he's hes a guy. He seems to turn up, whether it be the Champions League for a top team or Stoke City. Uh, Chupa Moting is there um, to write a part of the story. And then, <laughs> as if the, you, you thought, okay, well, the next game might be relaxing. It wasn't relaxing. Uh, South Korea 2, Ghana 3, absolute thriller. Really, just a, a a fun game. Black Stars, I think, uh, deserved it in the end. Although, like Korea, twenty two shots, um, seven game. shots on target. That um, game was amazing. Yeah, and they had the Lions shared the possession too. But that was a that game was a huge amount of fun. And I think Cho, the South Korean player, is now going to be on the radar um, of a lot of big sides um, with his performance, which was really caught the eye. Scored two goals. Um, really superb stuff uh, from him. And then we went into the afternoon, which I would call the stodgier part of of your Monday in the World Cup. Brazil won, Switzerland nil. Um, Casemiro, Andrew, in the 83rd minute, the Swiss, I don't know, they didn't have a shot and target in the game, but whenever I see the Swiss, they're not great. They're not bad. They're just solid. 
and they're going to give everyone a tough game regardless of who they are. And they get, certainly gave Brazil one, but um, a nice move uh, was finished by Casemiro. Casemiro with an, a, a very well hit volley, which had just the amount, the right amount of deflection off the bum. It caught uh, a whiff of bum cheek and um, and ended up in the in the back of the net uh, past uh, Sommer, who could only watch. And then Portugal 2, Uruguay 0. Andy, talk big, about... Big disappointment. They have been poor. Yeah. They're not good. <laughs> I can't believe Color it. Color me surprised. I mean, you heard how high on them I was. You loved them. Yeah. And I think I think you mushed them. Oh yeah. Okay. That's what happened. Yeah. Bruno they can Fernand- still advance. Nothing's nothing's decided yet, but they but up to this point they have not been impressive. No, and they I have not they, been I thought impre- they would be. I thought and they I, would I, be. I actually thought Portugal were on the front foot much more than they were. I yeah, thought they great, were great goal by Ronaldo. <laughs> uh Bruno Fernandez with the double. Uh we are not giving that goal to Ronaldo. No chance, even if there was a tinge of hair gel on it. Um, and then uh, Fernandez with the penalty, which was, I'm not sure if it was a penalty by the letter of the law, but whatever. And it really only seemed the way that Ur- um, Uruguay would score would be uh, their best chance in the first half, certainly was that slaloming run from uh, Rodrigo Bentoncourt, um, who yeah. just at the end uh, took the wrong decision. Um, but yeah, very disappointed with the uh, old Uruguayan Andy. And then, of course, uh, today, uh, Senegal and Ecuador... Another good game, I have to say. Um, Ecuador getting that equalizer. I think all they needed was a point. Uh, but Senegal, yeah, what a goal by uh, Kaladu Koulibaly, who I think is quite a polished finisher in those scenarios. And um, lovely side-footed volley uh, to win the game uh, for Senegal. And- think about like the calendar year for Senegal and just like the drama that they have put their fans through they've been through it i mean just like at every turn it's just like nothing easy but they find a way i mean boy what a fun ride and to be doing it without sadio mane i mean that it's tough now i what is it senegal has england right yes Uh, it's just not it's not right that mane isn't able to play in that game it would just be such a fun thing to see um but But, uh, i mean you got to give them a chance i suppose i would take england but oh I don't know. England haven't been great, although they they dealt comfortably. Uh, the Welsh, our Welsh listeners, will not want us to talk about that one. England have been fine. Like they weren't great against the U.S. They scored six against Iran. They dealt with the Welsh earlier today, and in a Marcus Rashford played his best game maybe ever for England. What a great free kick he had! Mm. Uh, so they've been okay. Like they, I don't. I wouldn't look at them and say that they've been any kind of disappointment. Necessarily. I, I'm. I'm still. I'm. Well, I'm just not convinced by them. And then the other game in Group A was the Netherlands versus Qatar. Qatar finish uh, with another defeat. First uh, def- home nation ever to uh, not not pick up a point. Um, and we're all cup. devastated for them. Uh, Cody Gakpo, uh, twenty six minutes, and uh, Frankie De Jong on forty nine minutes uh, for. The kings of the credit card. And uh, tomorrow, or depending on when you're listening to this podcast, Tunisia, France, Australia, Denmark, things to be decided in Group D, and lots of things then to be decided also in Group C tomorrow. Poland, Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico. Uh, 
World Cup has sucked me in. It's hooked me into its it's the matrix, best. and I am just loving it. It is the best. Uh, I cannot get enough of it. This thing is not allowed to end. It must go on forever. Uh, JJ, this was this was fun. This was one of the landmark days for U.S. soccer fans. Um, you know, we we've talked before about how we we are obsessed with this team, which is such an interesting thing to be because they play so rarely. And so, like, with that being the reality of of being obsessed with a national team in soccer, you have to cherish these days. Like, you just have to, because uh, they don't come along very often. No. Even for the good teams, like, you just don't have days like this often enough where the stakes are this high and the drama is that high. Um, so enjoy it. Soak in these next few days as all the other games are going on. You can sit back and relax as they happen. Get excited. I mean, you get now you get around a 16 game on a Saturday. You don't have to worry about navigating any kind of work schedule or anything yeah. like that. You got just build out that block of time. Give yourself a nice nine 30 to twelve thirty, where you can really sink your teeth into it. What are you doing? Where, where are you going to watch it at home again? I, I don't know yet. I really don't. It depends yeah. if, if another national media outlet wants me to come on, you know, I, I, I got to figure that one in. It also figure, we also have to figure out what we want to do. I know. So I guess I'm uh, to be decided. I yeah. I just want uh, to go back to the chat. Uh, a few quick ones left. Uh, Royalty ninety five. Clarify for us, JJ. Was that a chip or a scoop from Abubakar? <laughs> it was Ooh, a scoop, I not think a chip. So, yeah, yeah. It was a, an awesome scoop, um, and thankfully there was no offside on that one. Um, let's see what else there was. Uh, Alexander uh, Baturler. I'm I'm gonna. I'm just going to say Alex because I'm going to butcher your last name. Andrew Drake cursed Uruguay. <laughs> Not yet. All uh, right, Ga- let's let it play out first. Gabriel Sherman. I had Uruguay top of their group in my bracket thanks to Andrew, RIP, um, and Polcat with a terrible take. Casemiro's finish was a golazzo. It can't be a golazzo if it flicks off someone's arse. That's a fact. It was a great goal. I loved that goal. Lovely strike, hit a bit of arse. No good goals have ever hit the bum. That's a fact. Oh, hey, this was a joy to everybody who stayed up late with us to to watch, to comment. Uh, we thank you for it. We can't wait to do it again. I mean, uh, we'll, we'll go back to the drawing board, JJ. We got to figure it out Saturday because uh, obviously we'll be watching and then we're going to want to do something for all of you guys afterward to talk about whatever it is that happens. Like we said today, I don't know if we're going to win or lose, but I know it's going to be interesting. Uh, so I look forward to it. Um, this was great and uh, like will be guys more to come. make sure you're hitting like make sure you're subscribing telling all your friends but but like this stream so other people will go and hey and watch it and think it was great that's what we want that's what it's all about tricking people into <laughs> enjoying the content that we are producing hey this was great man what a day what a day props to Polisic, props to zimmerman props to every single one of the guys that were out there happy birthday to Eunice musa just joy joy everywhere oh can i make a vibes request of course seeing as we're in the middle of joy i have an mri on my right knee uh tomorrow so i need some vibes oh oh my goodness oh all right get get in the chat vibes for jj's knees where will you be do you need me to be there no i i the last thing i need is for you to be there i i'm going to nurse you oh god and i want to be your florence nightingale oh my you be my Florence Barfingale. Awful. Don't want to think about it. Hey, this was fun, man. To you, I say... Check you later, fun boys. I'll see ya. Good night, guys. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.